0: Hello there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Why don't you follow me and I'll find a place for you to take that load off. The boys are just about to start. If you've been here before, welcome back. But if this is your first time, let me fill you in on a few details. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ. And it's our continuing prayer that everyone that walks through those doors grows a little closer to Jesus every day. And i tell you what. You came at a great time too. The boys are walking through the entire Bible from cover to cover, one story at a time. Speaking of stories, we'd love to hear yours. So why don't you tell us all about it in that box below called Comments. And after this is all over, if you like what you heard, on the way out, there's a button called Subscribe. It's red and it's got a little bell next to it. Oh, and tell your friends. Now the boys are gonna have a little bit of fun today. Start counting how many times they say the name of Abram's nephew, and at the end, let them know. Then they're going to have a drawing for those who got it right, and the winner of that drawing is going to get some free Biblical Chili Swag. Just leave your answer in the comments in the bottom. Tell you what, I'd be counting myself if they didn't exclude me from the contest, that is. Listen, take a seat. I gotta go answer that door exclude the old man from the contest. I'd love to give me a biblical chili hat, maybe a hoodie.
1: Order up. Last week we, uh, we we covered Abram and Sarai and a lot.
0: <laughs> oh. <wow. laughs>
1: that went to Egypt and uh, then they were kicked out of Egypt. Yeah, with but all they got the money.
0: They got money while they were there. Yeah,
1: money like, and, got sheep and sheep and people. And sheep people. and donkeys. Yeah. They yeah. left with a lot. They left with a lot. <laughs>
2: There's gonna be a lot stuff. And of puns. today
1: today we're gonna be talking about a lot. In which direction he went. <laughs> I
2: thought it was a she.
1: No, lots of boy. Oh. Lots of <laughs> nephew. That's right. His nephew. He's he's son little, of Heron.
3: He's a little bit salty.
1: Now to put this into a little a little nutshell. We're going to be covering uh, chapter 13 and 14, and all the way up to probably 15. We're not getting into a lot of details. Abram and, and Lot, they're traveling together, and you know through osmosis, through being around somebody, you learn a lot. And what has happened is that Lot learned from Abram, and so he started amassing his own animals and followers and you know i don't want to call it a a crowd but servants and workers and yeah animals and um he he started establishing his his own livelihood now they were growing together and resources are finite when it comes to food in that area
0: well and it's it's not even about the food for the people it's the fact that if you have you know uh, Three thousand head of cattle, no matter what they are, mm-hmm. that is a huge blight on the land. Quick, yep, because they may be leaving fertilizer behind, but they're eating all the grass ahead yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. to
1: mention the sheep, and you know they're all eating the same stuff—the same grass and Drinking water, water. S- right, sources right. and
2: stuff. And Justin gonna eat them.
0: Ah, uh, <laughs> I walked into that one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so did the sheep. <laughs> <laughs> and and with that many head of cattle, if there was a disease that started, it would affect both of the um herds and both their livelihoods. And so in chapter thirteen, Abram says to Lot, Hey, um let's not be fighting over resources. Our people are in fighting. This isn't healthy, this isn't a, a good uh, life for us right now, so why don't you go one way and I'll go the other way? And it actually happened in uh, verse 8 8 and 9. Yep, yep. So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we're close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. So Lot. Looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zoar was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord. Destro- the, this is before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities. The, around the plains uh, and pitched his ne- tents near Sodom. Kicking up, you know, going back a little bit to the opening of chapter 13, after they left Egypt, they traveled around for a little bit, ended up going back to the altar they built by the artificial intelligence AI, or AI. I, I, <laughs> I And that's where they resided for a bit before they parted ways. So they like went full circle back to where right. he had built the altar before
0: so they were just hanging around the land of Canaan yep but i find this cool i find this really telling abraham gave him first pick mhm i mean does that not what is it what do you think that does that tell you about abraham's character
1: well, himself I, I think that's um not not quite his character but how he feels towards lot I feel that. So, so you think it's
0: just a familial thing?
1: Yeah, his, you know, he's his brother's son, and his brother passed away. Yeah. So now he has been treating him as a son that he doesn't have.
0: Oh, that's a good point.
1: So that's because a, Abraham
0: still, right, at this point, still doesn't have a kid, and he's pushing what, like almost ninety or something.
1: You know, and at that time, middle um, age, middle age, middle age. <laughs> yeah. He's the patriarch. His dad's dead. His brother's dead. He's taking care of his brother's son. Yeah, and showing him how to do life he's showing him how to live as a man and, and be so he's he's being that patriarch he's not saying i need to do this for survival you know how everyone comes to a moment in their life when they're like i don't need to be the one that's pushing being pushed anymore i need to be the pusher you know i don't need to be elevated i'm already elevated he was the one i need to the help you up. so which way do you want to go you know, right. So that's how, that's how I read that. That's how I saw that part right there. It's more of a, a father-son well, kind of thing. And that
0: kind of makes more sense, though, too. Because if, if Lot was a lot younger than Abraham, if he, if, if he was quite a bit younger than Abraham, then Abraham would have been like, it doesn't matter what land I have. I can deal with it. Like he would have already had that experience to, to admin, administrate uh, and, and, and you know already been like, I don't care what land it is. It doesn't matter. You pick. What's going to be easier for you? you got to figure this stuff out on your own because you're not going to be with me anymore. That's a great point, Tom.
1: And so it says that uh, Lot was hanging out around Sodom. And Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents. And there he built an altar unto the Lord. He is this thing about building altars. like <laughs> So if you follow his path, like how did Abraham get here? Follow the altars. You you won't won't get lost.
0: You know, I heard heard a message on that one time. He was like, Abraham, and this this somebody was talking about Abraham and teaching people about Abraham, and they said, Abraham built those altars constantly to help people see the one true God. Because during this time, this is when, you know, a lot of false religions were starting to pop up here and there, false gods and all this other stuff. Yet there's these very simple, very, um, uh, Simple is the best word I could say because God never asked them to b- carve a statue of him, you know, and they, so it's very, I, I would think that during this time it would be a rarity to see these like almost quite frankly, if I could say this, he was almost marking his territory and being that witness at the same time. Yeah. You are in my land. Here is an altar. You may worship the one true God. Mm. Come and worship my God type of thing.
3: I wonder what they look like. The altars? Yeah.
0: I don't know. That it sounds like whenever the the Hebrews made an altar, and I know this is before you know their their people were really established, but it sounds like they always just took rocks, like flattish rocks, and and built it up to a point, you know, and just you know put whatever on and burned it. That's a good question, though.
1: So, Justin or or Wayne, or when do you guys want to talk about chapter fourteen? What what happens after? Um, they kind of part ways and they settle in. when we,
0: when we go through chapter 14, it just it's, it's a quite frankly, a wild adventure. If, if I can kind of sum it up in, in a very quick way, first of all, the first several chapters is just talking about people and um, who they're related to. And I mean it's very interesting, but uh, I mean, obviously that would take up quite a bit of time. So going into what ends up happening, it says uh, on verse 8, it says, And the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah, the king of Amma and the king of Zeboam and the king of Bala went out and joined together in battle in the valley of Sidon against the, uh oh, I'm going to mess this one up, Chedalorium, <laughs> king of Elam. Okay, so. What what we see here is basically Lot goes down to Sodom. Now, mind you, Sodom would be like I don't uh, you got you guys know the well up here we have a, a term for a place that's downstate called the Tri City area, right?
2: Flatlanders.
0: Whoa. No, no, we're not going that way. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: so we we call it the Tri City area because there's three large, very large cities right next to each other. And normally what ends up happening is if you say, okay, I'm going to, so we'll just say like, uh, okay, so we, we live in Michigan. Let's say, hey, we're going to Lansing. But even though you could be talking about the five or six cities around Lansing, because there's a bunch of cities around Lansing, but you don't tell people that because you don't say, hey, I'm going to this tiny, tiny little city. Why? Because nobody knows the name of that city. They only know about Lansing. Yeah, This is the same thing with Sodom and Gomorrah. Everybody knows about Sodom and Gomorrah, but Sodom and Gomorrah were located in the Dead Sea area. It was around, all. it was actually about, I think it was five or six cities around the Dead Sea because at the time, the Dead Sea wasn't, wasn't dead. It was a very lush, very you know, uh, beautiful, fresh water, et cetera, et cetera. The live sea. The live sea, not the Dead Sea. And so anyway, so the kings of these cities around the Dead Sea went to war, basically. And the, the adventure starts because Lot was involved in this and he got taken. And when Lot was taken, Lot and his family and all that was taken, it says <clears throat> here down in verse 13, after this whole battle's over and all this crazy stuff is happening, it says, uh, in verse 13, it says, Then one who had escaped came and told Abram, the Hebrew. For he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre and the Amorite brother of Eshcol and the brother of Aner. And they were allies with Abram. Because during this time they were allies. They said, hey, you know, we live next to each other and all this. So Abraham heard his brother was taken captive. His brother meaning Lot. And then so he goes out. He armed his 318 trained servants. Okay, stop right there. This guy had enough servants that he literally had, okay, you know what, Tom, you're my shepherd, but I want you proficient with the crossbow. (laughs) And not just to scare off them bears. We got to go to war one of these days. And I want you ready. So he rang the war bell. And so they all go out, and getting to the end of that story, they all go out and Abram and all of the, these 300 and some men, they go out and they just decimate. I mean, like they just completely annihilate
1: these these people that... that Something right out of Lord of the Rings. So. Oh
0: man, just crazy. And And he goes out there and just psh, flattens them all out and he captures everybody back. And then he also takes all of the possessions that were stolen because of everything that happened. But check this out. All This is verse 16. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shevra, that is, the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of the Chalad. <laughs> Jeldorimors, I don't know. And the kings who were with him. Right there, he, he takes all this stuff, he brings it all back, da, 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 da. and then we we jump into, and I'm, I'm going to skip this part, I'm going to skip 18 through 21, because we're going to talk about that in a minute. But let's go all the way down to 22. It says, But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God most high and possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread in a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say I have made Abraham rich. Except only what the young men have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me. And then he lifts off some some people. So he's like, okay, listen, I don't want you, or I don't want it rumor getting around that you were the one that made me rich. During that time frame, Tom, if you went out and you conquered anything, even if it was to get it back, you owned it. By the law of the land, you owned it. All those people, all those possessions, everything was yours. Mm-hmm. But instead, he goes, so, so Sodom, the king of Sodom comes up and goes, so, uh, so, um, you, so what are you going to do with all that stuff? so like he didn't want to lay claim to it because it wasn't his
1: well he he's like leave the people with me and you can take the rest
0: right and that's the thing so he's like he's like yeah okay you know just give me my people back right and abraham is not going to have any of this he's like absolutely not no he said outside of the food that we ate because we journeyed you know the food we got back and whatnot you can have it all back i don't want people going around saying that you were the one that made me rich because all of this happened so when it comes to this story alone, I, I want to skip the, the part about Melchizedek for just a second. When it comes to this story alone, what are you guys' thoughts on this? Why, do, maybe I could, should ask this, why do you think this little skirmish was put in Scripture?
1: Well, I think that it also sets up for um, what happens later, like what happens later with Sodom. He, you know, he wants his people back. Um, I think that it also sets up a good ruler because... At that time, you know, not only the the lords got their share, but they also rewarded their 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 warriors. They got a share of it. And he said, "I don't want anything but what my men ate and what my men earned." And he said, like, you know, that that's showing like I don't need to get richer. These guys were in there fighting. These guys did this. That I don't need you saying that you made me greater because I don't need that. You know, I, I just came for a purpose. I served that purpose. I have an alliance. I have an a agreement with God that this is what I said I'm going to do. I don't want anything from you. I just came down here. My nephew was in trouble. A there lot of a, trouble. You know, a lot of trouble. He had to <laughs> go in and uh, do a, a, a lot of fighting. <laughs> well, I don't know if a, lot, a lot had lot a lot to do with it. And they didn't know what to do no, he, he was just hanging around a lot. <laughs> Is it
3: possible that Abram knew what was going on and what was coming? You alluded to it a little bit. What what, what do you mean by that? It doesn't say it here, but I was thinking to myself, okay, he didn't want anything from them. They didn't want any riches. They didn't want anyone to know that they um, had given them anything. Perhaps he knew what was going on in those cities, in Sodom. Perhaps he knew what was going on, or someone had told him what was going on, and he didn't want anything That's to do with
0: it. That's a good point. It. Maybe he didn't want anything to do with it.
2: Yeah. Didn't so. want to be associated with that. I good was point. actually going to get to that because it's like trying to take um, fruit from the poisonous tree. Mm-hmm. Because no matter what happens, you taking that fruit from the poisonous tree is going to poison everything else behind that.
0: That's yeah. a wow. Good. Point. That's actually a really Sully, good.
2: You are amazing. You always
3: come up with something like that. Good job. Good job. I Long like that. For training. Yes. Because <laughs> I I never
0: honestly thought about that because that's
3: a fruitful point fruit Maybe history.
0: right. Yeah. Maybe he want he didn't want to be associated with. He it. Just
3: didn't want
1: it. Yep. He knew. It, he knew something. He he lived in the country. His his nephew lived by the city. He actually. It went, would yeah. be like uh, a, a someone from up here in the country where we're at. You know, getting stuff from like you know, we don't want Flint's water. <laughs> you know, we we don't want <laughs> we, we 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 don't need any spoils from that. We have what we need. You know, leave the city to the city, people.
3: yeah. I'm hoping you guys don't have to come down to hemlock to uh rescue me or anything <laughs> like that. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Bottle fair bottle, fair worry.
0: warning. The God does save to flee the cities at the end of time. So yeah. just, just keep, keep your eyes well, open.
3: Well, Sully, I need to know where you're going to pick me up. Remember? Right, we'll I will to, find you. We'll <laughs> have
2: to find a rendezvous point. I'll make sure there's a tunnel somewhere. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. <laughs> the underwater, <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Under,
1: underground railroad. So, Justin, you said we skipped Melchizedek. Yeah.
0: Okay, okay, so we, we talked about this a little bit before, and we actually did a little bit of study and I'll, ha- I'll have Tom pull up uh, what he found on, on this. So let me just read this story. So this is after everything has happened. he defeated him, he's coming back and this is before uh, the king of Sodom is like, okay, give me the people, you can keep all the goods da, 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 and all that stuff we just talked about. Uh, this is uh, Genesis 14:18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem brought out bread and wine, and he was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him, and he said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And he, this, is, this he there is actually Abraham, gave him, Melchizedek, a tithe of all. So even though he gave back all of this stuff back to who, who it actually belonged to, the, you know, the right possession, to the right owner, he actually did, during all of this, he actually did take it and cut one-tenth, a tithe means a tenth, right off the top, and he said, Melchizedek, priest of the Most High, here is a tithe. I want you to continue your ministry type of thing. So now the question was, and I brought this up before, who was Melchizedek? Uh, go ahead, Tom. You got something on that?
1: Yeah. So this is from the churchofjesuschrist.org. Fact check, whatever it is. But this is what they have for their, their findings. Shem stands next to Noah in the patriarchal order of the priesthood. Um, following in his dad's steps before the flood Noah was preaching for all that time. So Shem comes next in line. And he held the keys to the priesthood and was the great high priest of his day. Now it said that living contemporary with Shem was a man known as Melchizedek, who was also known as the great high priest. Now the scriptures give us details of Shem's birth and ancestry, But are quiet to his ministry or later life. However, with Melchizedek, the opposite is true. There's no references to where he came from, but it talks a lot about what he did. Found that really interesting, like you know, Batman and Bruce Wayne.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Somebody put two and two together, (laughs) right? And so, and that's where I I think that's what it was. And I, I brought this up before. Uh, when we brought up the, and you guys can look back at some of our live, uh, live cast episodes, we actually talk about, and we show a graph of how long people were living back then, according to the dates in the Bible, and one of them was Shem, and Shem lived long enough to have known Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and possibly even Joseph for a few years when he was younger, probably up to about 16 years of age, if you, if you look at the dates, uh, that's interesting. We're talking about Abraham. Abraham would have probably lived and died and Melchizedek would have still been alive because Isaac lived and died and Melchizedek would have still been lived long enough to see Jacob and possibly even, like I said, isn't that crazy? And that's, that's where I think, and this is, I, I would Probably be along the same lines as what they believe, I think Melchizedek is who Shem ended up becoming once i mean living that long and still worshiping the one true god he was he would have been the only person alive who would have seen the flood before the or the world before the flood, lived through the flood and seen what happened during the time after the flood and what what happened during that that that's always fascinated me because you can see. You can kind of see the interweaving thread of God trying to reach everybody still, because it sounds like Melchizedek was a very he was a high priest guy, you know, he's a high priest of the most high God.
1: And that's interesting because I like to think that um the response would have been of respect, you know, because Abram probably knew him. Right. Um and so well, he gave him a, a
0: tithe. He obviously knew something about yeah. it.
1: And for Melchizedek to know that um, Abram was still following you know, the one true God, that he was still doing making the altars, that he was still uh, following those covenants, and you know, I I, I kind of wish we knew more of Melchizedek's story and his relationship with God. You know,
0: <laughs> right? No, I, I'm with you. I think that's that's spectacular because we can we can see that that. God is ha- God has His hand in Abraham. So we just went through thirteen and fourteen. What we see here is Abraham and Lot having a lot in common
3: <laughs> and splitting and lots up lots of stuff
0: <laughs> and splitting up. Even though, like, I don't know. I think I think it's telling. Also, like I just asked you about why this whole thing about the the whole little skirmish and everything going on. I think it also was very telling that if Lot would have been a bit more selective in his choices if he instead a lot thought more thought right if he would have thought about it if he would have thought a lot so he, because if he would have thought about it he wouldn't have thought you know oh well, yeah i'm just going to go live down by the city because that's going to be easier down there maybe i can get a good job instead of you know herding these camels all about
1: well i don't even think getting a job i think herding um would then allow him to sell to a, a larger group of people so right. his his cattle is probably prosperous and he could make a, a good bit of money make, by selling right. it to the the city people that don't do that because they want to be living in the city so yeah. he, he probably took it as a financial prosperous um idea you know i'll live here in the city with all the benefits and rewards i have my people out here doing the farming i'll earn money this way right you know and supply and demand right there no, and I think you're right, though, but we still see at
0: the same time, because you guys just talked about this, you t- right? You two just talked about this, about how Abraham probably didn't want anything to do with what was happening in that city, because they probably knew the, the reputations of those cities around the Dead Sea, the Living Sea. And <laughs> <Absolutely>.
3: <laughs> so with that,
0: though, I think Lot should have probably known better than to get involved in that, because inevitably what ended up happening to Lot, he was taken, he was, yeah, he was taken captive, him and his whole family.
2: To be honest, I think he was a little... He wanted to push the boundaries a little bit. So he got a little bit closer than he probably should have. you talking about to the deal- cities? Yeah. So he's like, okay, this is a location. It's going to make me easier. There's a well-traveled path. Here we go. I can do this. I can do that. This location, location. I got it. You know what I mean? That's probably what I was thinking. He's like... Yeah, I got water. All right, I'm good. But because he was
0: directly associated, he's he was taken along with. Yeah. And I'm sure, actually, I'm sure probably many of his riches were taken as well. So, but anyway, and then they come, they finally get you reunited. And later on, we end up finding out that Lot and his family still choose the city mm-hmm. over, any, over any other place. They still go back to, to the same life that they went to. And then Abraham once again was blessed, but this time he was blessed from Melchizedek by God. That actually says uh, God Most High. So I I think this is I think this has been great. Do you guys have any other like insight or, or, or questions about this story? Just it's a little obscure, but I th- I think like you were like you were saying, and you guys were saying, I think this is a good
2: setup for what's coming next. If I can remember correctly. It takes so many people in so many different lands to come together to fight a battle. And just thinking about it logistically and everything else, how fast they'd have to do this. It's actually kind of cool because then they got there quickly enough to the point where it wasn't tortured or killed. And then they still saved him and then gave it all back. It was just like,
0: huh that's that's actually a good point of thinking about the logistics because basically there was one nation that fought all five or six of these kings Uh defeated them took all their stuff took all their people left and abraham left with only 318 guys i mean think about the time span and the i don't know the administrative logistics behind is that is that what you're talking about
2: oh yeah it's just like they didn't have like they may have had carriages, but that was probably still like five maybe six, because yeah I think it's just not it's not an actual army army. They don't have these like I got twenty twenty fielded uh carts all ready to go. No no they had them there like there was hay in one of them there's manure in the other you know what I mean. It's Dump like, out
0: that hay. Let's hook a horse up to
2: that. Exactly. Well,
3: doesn't it say back here, though, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and yeah. went, in, went in pursuit. If it says they're trained, I think they pro- there was probably some planning that went into that, and they probably had what they needed.
0: You're uh, talking about Abraham's yeah. side.
2: Yeah. yeah, but to pull 300, 318 men to go sit there and actually save somebody else. That's that's pretty good logistics.
3: Yeah, yeah, I would agree. But I think the the key word I'm trying to say is they were trained. Yeah, they were trained.
1: Well, I I like in uh, verse verse 15, they were trained. Abram he, uh, he he's a smart guy still. And it says in ver- uh, chapter 14, verse 15, during the night. Abram divided his 318 trained men. He divided his men to attack them, and he routed them. You know, chased after them. He told them where to go. And, um, it, you know, like a sneak attack at night. Only 318 guys in the middle of the night. So he he wasn't in there saying, I am part of this fight. He just said, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to sack the city. I'm going to uh, go in and get, and get out. I don't need to meet them on a battlefield. I don't need to make this official. I'm just going with this goal in mind. So they went in the middle of the night and got this done. You know, while everyone else is probably celebrating, you know, they're sleeping, you know, 318 trained guys go in there, get the job done. Everyone else is scared. They fled.
2: They won. It was really quick sacking. You know what? If you bring up uh, the, the way you brought up that point, is the fact that, you know, they would have actually had to illustrate our point even better. They would have had a first eye view because if you have a campfire, you cannot see anything around you. Mm-hmm. You cannot see anything, but I can see you. So I can see what you're doing wrong. I can see what you're doing, how you're doing it, and everything else. So I can see you, but you can't see me. And I can walk up and I can watch you for all that point in time. That's a, that's a good. So it sounds
0: like Abraham was smart. Yeah, like he
2: was a smart cookie.
1: Well, he, all of his all of his shepherds, all of his people that he worked for him, you know, they probably couldn't sleep through the night because the predators. They have to watch in the wee light hours to make sure that the wolves and stuff don't come after the flocks. They, and they were so all nomads to go and be useful under the stealth of night to look for those little
2: things. To yeah, I Figure just think it was like I a no brainer. Uh, (laughs) that's that was
0: the training man
2: uh, yeah but you know you still have you got the ranger hour you got your night vision so that's just basically just sitting there in the dark just watching because if you do that without any light you'll actually start to see stuff and many people don't understand that and that as soon as you get to light you know it screws it all up but then you gotta sit there like uh, readjust readjust to it
0: incidentally did you know I know this is a side note. That is why, quote-unquote, pirates wore a patch. Did you know that? No. That's why they wore one patch. It's not because somebody gouged their eye out. It's because so they had one eye that always had night vision. So they could go into... I'm so if a they went into the, like, uh, underbelly of the ship, so they went if they went into the ship when it was daylight, this eye, like his left eye, would be like light sensitive because he's you've he been out in the light but this eye would have always been covered so he can un unflip it go down there and he would have perfect vision with this eye because it was covered
3: i'm doing that i'm doing that
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's getting he's getting a patch man i'm
3: getting a patch <laughs> what happened <I'm> doing-
0: <laughs> we'll change the picture on the website with you that's patch. right
3: i'm getting a patch <laughs>
1: Orr, well this has been really cool i can't wait to to uh we could talk for the next couple of hours on the the next chapters but i think that uh Next time we get together, we can pick right up from chapter 15 and uh, keep going forward. Because, again, after uh, chapter 15, he gets promised again from God. The official promise. The official covenant.
0: Right. This is great.
1: Thanks again for joining us, guys. This has been Tom. Wayne. This has been Sully. This is Justin. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. Uh, Justin, you want to lead us out of here in prayer? Certainly.
0: Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, uh, we thank you for this uh, uh, ability to study your word, and I pray and I thank you, Lord, for this interaction that we've had. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you please uh, keep everybody safe uh, who's listening to this, Father, and I also pray, Lord, that uh, you'll help uh, send your Holy Spirit out to move every single one of us here to uh, reach out and to trust you, even though we may be going through something rough and something difficult, Father. Uh, I pray that uh, you'll help us to have that faith in you and that trust. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. And we'll talk to you then. Good night.
0: Well, hello, everyone. Now that this is all over, I hope you had a lot of fun. Now, listen, you don't have to go home, but you can not stay here. I'm closing up. And the boys gave me this note to let you know. You can get a hold of them on something called Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, podcast. Podcast? What are they, fishing for whales? Listen, folks, just look up Biblical Chili anywhere. I'm sure you'll be able to find them out there. Now, I know that was a lot to take in, but I just got to let you know that the end of the contest is going to be November 5th, 2020. And it'll be announced on our live cast on Facebook or YouTube. And we'll get a hold of you to get your size and shape and color that you'd like. And any other information that we might need to make sure you get your prize. Now we love you. And we hope to see you soon. Do you think they're still listening? I doubt it. I think There can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. A lot of them probably skip it. But in case you did... Congratulations! You're one of the few! We love you!